Let's go to Russell Peltz here on Ira on Sports. Russell, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Russell, it's it's an honor to have you on Iron Sports. I mean, we talk about the everyone's talking about royalty with uh, Meghan Markle and Harry. I mean, you are certainly <laughs> please, please. you are boxing royalty, International Boxing Hall of Fame, one of the most famed promoters in in, in the world. Uh, certainly in Philadelphia, the Blue Horizon, uh, the legend. Uh, and it's just a, it's an honor to have you on the show. And and the reason we're having you on is the 50, 50 years ago tonight, you were somewhere where I would have. I was too young. I was a few years old, but I would wished I was there. So about the Ollie Frazier uh, fight. It was the uh, um, privilege to have attended the greatest sporting event of my lifetime and um, and maybe the greatest social event of my lifetime. It was just, I don't think we'll, I don't think there's anything even close to it. And I don't think there ever again will be anything close to it in any sport. Well, people talk about, I think what made this so great was that there's some events there's big hype for, there's big buildup for, and then it doesn't live up to that. And there's others, well, after it happened, people say, like the miracle on ice. No one realized that the United States was going to beat Russia. After it happened, they're like, oh, that's the greatest thing. But there was not that buildup. This actually had the buildup and the event. So talk a little about what this buildup, why would why was this such a great buildup before Ollie and Frazier, two undefeated heavyweight champions? Well, number one, it was a great, a great matchup, but that's that's not even the, the first of all. Ali, in his time, was probably the most recognizable name on the planet, more well known than the Pope, even if that's sacrilegious saying that. So, people, three hundred million people watched this fight, either eighteen thousand in person and the rest on closed circuit television around the world. So you had people in Uganda people in the Canadian Rockies, people in Burma, people in Manila, people in, in Wales, ever the whole world. The whole world does not stop for the Super Bowl or the World Series or any even the World Cup. Nothing is was will ever be like that night. You'll never get three hundred million people worldwide to watch a sporting event like that. So Ollie it didn't was need, it didn't need any hype. It didn't need really any hype because everybody wanted to see it. And boxing was still a major sport. On top of that, you had a divided country, not as violent as today, but you had the Vietnam War hawks and you had the anti-Vietnam War people. You know, uh, the conservatives backed Frazier and the Liberals backed Ali, even though Frazier was terribly miscast as an Uncle Tom. So Ali was the champion. He beat Liston twice, and, and he gives up. Well, actually, he was suspended. He didn't give up his title, but he was suspended from fighting for three years. Frazier becomes the champion. So they were. it was unusual that you have a chance where Ali is challenging for a title, but he never had was beaten, never beat in the ring. So I think that's what, going into the fight, what were you, what were you thinking in terms of who was going to win? What was your thought about, how, about the fight? I thought Frazier was going to slaughter him because <laughs> Ali had been out three and a half years. He had gotten... A quick win over Jerry Quarry, a fight that went three rounds on a cut. And then for the first 14 rounds of 15 with Oscar Bonavina, he looked terrible. But all people remembered was the 15th round when he knocked Bonavina out. But until then, he looked awful. And Frazier was at the peak of his career, and I thought he would knock Ali out. 
So the garden, I think, was only open two years. Um, and we said, I've been going to the garden now. There's things I don't like about it. But the point is, it was only open two years at the time. And, and three, this, this three. three years, three years. And it was, I see, on, I watched this on TV many, many times. It seems like everyone was dressed up in, in fancy dresses and, and, and suits. It was, it was a little different than, and, and, and how many celebrities? I mean, I, don't, I can't, my, I watched with my father and he was like pointing out all around the ring, like every celebrity. I mean, I guess Frank Sinatra was actually just a photographer for Life Magazine. And you had Burt Lancaster, a great movie star, was broadcasting the fight. It was different than other sporting events, really. Well, like I said, boxing was still a major sport then, and this was like the biggest event of the time, and everybody who was anybody wanted to be there. Lancaster got the job because he was close with Jerry Perencio, the the actual man who put up the money for the fight, and Perencio insisted that he be one of the color analysts. Wow. And where did you, for the fight, where did you, like, where did you sit? How did you go there? Like, talk about, like, the night of the fight. Did, like, I just wanted to, I always go, I love going to sporting events. So it's always, that aspect of it is interesting. Yank Dorm, Frazier's trainer and manager, had given me a bunch of complimentary tickets he had gotten, and he wanted me to sell them so he could make some cash on the side. <laughs> um, he said he'd split the, whatever I got over face value, but I was only 24 and I'd only been in business for a year and a half. So I sold them all for face value, but one of them was a front row ticket for $150. It's about a thousand today, but I was only, I was only making about $4,000 a year and I was going through a dry spell. So I wound up selling the ticket to a friend of mine who ran a bar in center city. And I went to the garden about a month ahead of time when they put the $20 seats on sale. We got there like at six on a Sunday night and it snowed and we stayed through the night until the box office opened the next morning at eight o'clock. So I bought the two $20 tickets. I go to the fight that night and I'm, I was the first row of the top level and I had binoculars and I'm trying to find my friend from the bar who was sitting on the front row and I see him with Aretha Franklin and Diana Ross and Burt Lancaster and Frank Sinatra. And I said, what a jerk you are. You could have been down there yourself. So oh. I, I always regret not not taking that ticket and giving Yank the 150 myself. Oh, my gosh. And you could have got, I wonder how, what kind of cameras that they have back in those days? Like, I don't know if you could have brought a camera in and took a picture. That would have been great pictures because uh, I love taking Yeah, you could have done it. As long as it didn't have a flash, you could do it. <laughs> Oh wow, that's that's amazing. And then was there was I I heard someone said that it seemed like it was, it was like everybody showed up like right before the fight. Like what was the timing? When did you get there super early? Were there preliminary fights? People don't even remember what fights were. Oh sure, I you I always get there early. Yeah, they, but the preliminary fights in those days when you had a big heavyweight championship fight, most of the preliminary fights were four and six rounds, and they would feature the sparring partners of Frazier against the sparring partners of Ali. And that they didn't spend much money on the undercard because they didn't need to. The main event was the draw. Wow. So the undercard was just so-so. And then a lot of people... I've been listening to this. I've watched it. I feel that Frazier won. But what's your, what was your opinion in terms of the fight? I mean, a lot of people said it was a little closer. I know Frazier on the cards, 9-6, 11-4, 8-6, and 1. Uh, what was your feeling about the scoring of the fight and, uh, and, and how they scored it? Would you thought it was closer, or do you think they got it right in terms of the, the numbers? Oh, they, well, the 11-4 was out of line. 
So you you um, eight eight six one nine six. I mean, if if Ollie wins the fifteenth round and doesn't get knocked down, he gets a draw on Mercanti's scorecard. Even though Mercanti might have given him an extra point on the supplemental system, the referee when he hurt uh, when he hurt uh, Ali in the eleventh round, mm-hmm. so that would have been there would have been controversy if Ali had won the fifteenth round because the scores would have been ten five eight seven and seven seven one, and even if there's people today who think incredibly that Ali won, which he didn't. They would have had more reason to argue, but it was like the perfect ending to a perfect night. It was a great fight, a great event, a great crowd, and a perfect. It's like the cherry on top, the fifteenth round knockdown. They, you, you've known Joe Frazier from Philadelphia. It sort of seems like he hasn't got the respect in the boxing, considering the nemesis was Ali. But it's for someone who is who won the fight of the century, who won other major fights, was was twenty nine and zero and the heavyweight champion of the world. It, it doesn't seem like he gets enough credit in history for being this great elite fighter. You know, Norman Mailer came out with a book after the fight. It said, "Loser and still champion," meaning Ali. Um, Ali is like Notre Dame. It doesn't matter what city you go to. You're always going to find a ton. Like when Temple plays Notre Dame in Philly and sells out for about the only time of the season, you get 60,000 people there. 58,000 of them are rooting for Notre Dame, even though the game's played in Philly. It was the same way with Ali. He was just a universal and polarizing figure. And one last question. We have Russell Peltz, famed promoter uh, on the show right now to talk about the Ollie Frazier 50th anniversary. We're down here in West Palm Beach. I know you're familiar with Florida. Tell me about the boxing history of South Florida. I mean, in terms of, of you know, you've seen some of the, you know, of course, of the Ollie Liston fight and whatever. But this, this has been a fairly good area for boxing and uh, right, maybe not so much right now, but, but has been in the past. Well, it was in the 50s and 60s when Chris Dundee, Angelo's older brother, ran the Fifth, Fifth Street Gym and promoted fights uh, at the uh, Miami Beach Convention Hall, many of them on, on national television. Boxing has been slow in Florida in recent years. You know I'm in Boca Raton, right? Right. So it hasn't been that. I mean, there were big fights after Dundee passed away, like the first fight between uh, Aaron Pryor and Alexis Arguello. And I think the I think that was at the Orange Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. But um, you know, boxing isn't isn't what it used to be in any city, let alone Miami Beach. And the Cuban fighters who have infiltrated Florida in the last 15, 20 years have never really caught on with the uh, ticket buying public. So you know, it struggles along now and then. You you get shows in Kissimmee, Kissimmee, or at um, the Mikasuki um, Casino, but those have been uh, probably the most steady fights in Florida in recent years. For years, you had Roy Jones fighting out of Pensacola, even though he rarely fought there. I had a fighter named Charles Brewer who won the super middleweight title in Tampa in 97. But as far as steady, steady like New York, like Philly, like Vegas, like Los Angeles, Miami's uh, Florida has been a little bit out of it in recent years. 
Well, Russell, I really appreciate it. I know that you came on short notice to talk about this. I thank you for making the time. It was so, so enlightening. I, I'm, I'm jealous of you for being at this. This is something I would have loved to been at. And uh, I appreciate you coming on I Run Sports. Really appreciate it. Hey, Ira, my pleasure. Have a good night.